يا نفس إن لم تظفري لا تجزعي ويلا موايد جود مولاك هرعي تحمد ونصلي على رسوله الكريم بشرح لي صدري وسل لي أمري محل العقدة من لساني يفقه Alright, as usual, inshallah, we uh, turn our thoughts, our hearts, uh, very beings towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He may accept this uh, gathering, probably keep it short tonight. We had a long night last night and uh, alhamdulillah, I, was, uh, I benefited a lot uh, personally from yesterday's session. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, make it easy for us to practice and convey what we've what we learned yesterday. Um, I met uh, one of the beautiful brothers from my locality today in uh, Oakville here in Canada and in Salat al-Fajr at the, at the nearby masjid. And um, uh, subhanAllah, he came up to me. I, you know, he's, I think he missed the first rakah and, uh, you know, he caught the second. And so after the salah, he came up to me and uh, he attended last night's session as well. Uh, and he said... You know, subhanAllah, sometimes you stay up late and you just, you drop the ball and, you know, something like this happens, you don't make it to Fajr on time, you know. And I could tell from the sound of his voice that he was feeling a bit down. And and that is that is something that happens where, you know, we miss some sort of uh, ibadah, some sort of worship we're accustomed to doing or we're late to it. And then we, we there's this sense of despair. And it's very, you know, good at that point to remind ourselves uh, of one of the aphorisms of Ibn Ata'illah where he speaks about, you know, the sign that, you know, you are dependent on your actions or deeds uh, is that when you drop the ball, basically, so to speak, and I'm just working off memory because I don't have the aphorism in front of me, word for word, verbatim. But the gist of it is, is that the sign that you are dependent on the deeds is that when you drop the ball or you miss that action, um, you despair. But the sign that you are dependent on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, you know, irrelevant of what action comes or goes. You always have hope in Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what, what this means basically is, um, the the reason you're despairing is you're linking uh, what happened to you know you missing out on the deed. But there have been saints, you know, we when reading the stories of some of the awliya, the righteous people, you find that their sometimes their spiritual illuminations would happen in the in the strangest places. Like really, when I read that, you know, one of the stories of one of the saints who had his spiritual illumination happen and come to him when he was in the washroom. And he reflects on it in his own book. He says, <laughs> you, know, you know, what a place to have this spiritual state uh, take over. But he understood something quite immense from this, that you're not going to attribute the spiritual illumination, especially if you're a very righteous person that is practicing a lot of good deeds that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is protecting you from your own ego. Because if you, you know, if you get it in the midst of your, I don't know, tahajjud prayer, you're up all night, you're like, Ya Allah, please open up on me and make me understand, you know, send me a sign, you know. Because usually people are looking for some sort of miraculous experience 
this is what they understand spiritual illumination to be. When actually it's a very normal, you know, really general, not normal, but it's an unveiling. It's not so much this like sort of, no, it's it's just a deep understanding, realization and unveiling of your true nature. And, and so when it happens in the washroom, who are you going to attribute it to your own actions? You know, no, you're, you're going to say, well, this is obviously not due to, you know, my spiritual works, my awesome spiritual works. No, but it's purely from, from, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's how Allah protects us. Uh, and so when you miss out on a deed, very simple, what we spoke of yesterday, remember we said, we are all, this is the hadith of Rasulullah that all the son of Adam are sinful. They make mistakes, and but the best amongst those are those that are oft repenting. So the idea is why repenting? Well, the secret is of repenting is that you're always going, the, the, the repentance is to turn back to Allah. So someone that's continuously turning back to Allah, turning back to Allah loves this. And we, there's many like hadith Qudsiya or the, that note, you know, point to the fact that if we were a people that never sinned, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would get rid of us <laughs> and replace us with a people that sinned and asked for forgiveness so that he may forgive subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we sometimes lose sight of this, that when we're talking about the shirk and we're talking about the necessary levels of iman that we have to have and we have to you know wama yu'minu aktharuhum billahi illa wa hum mushrikun and most of us have this iman that is admixed with shirk what i don't want to happen is that we lose we lose sight of allah's mercy and that by no means will we ever attain perfection you know in in our in our acts and in our deeds but it is in the imperfections that we get to know allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our imperfections, that we get to know truly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Otherwise, you know, you don't want to sin, I don't know, join the rank of angels. <laughs> You're in the wrong group. <laughs> You're in the wrong group. Yeah. We have to always, you know, understand this, that uh, see our weakness. There's always that danger of what, you know, made shaitan fall ultimately was the fact that he thought he was something, right? Allah. So, you know, aphorism 148 that I do have in front of me, Ibn Ata'illah says, when you commit a sin, let it not be a reason for you, your despairing of attaining to righteousness. And here in parentheses, you know, the right Arabic is attaining to istiqama. You, know, you let it make you despair like, man, I thought I was going to be consistent on this deed and Allah loves those that are consistent. You know, al-istiqama, uh, Istiqamah is better than any karama, and we hear this a lot. You're saying, don't let your sin, you know, be a reason of you despairing of achieving this istiqamah before your Lord. For that might be the last decreed for you. You know, that might be the very last thing. You know, Allah, let it not be a reason for your despairing of attaining to righteousness before your Lord. For that might be the last decreed for you. If you want the door of hope open for you, then consider what comes to you from him. But if you want the door of sadness open to you, then consider what goes to him from you. And we have to ultimately see that 
Everything is coming from Allah. Any tawfiq we have, when you get up for, your being here is tawfiq from Allah. This is a gift from God to you. You didn't come here out of your own power, or out of your own will. وَمَا تَشَاءُونَ إِلَّا أَنْ يَشَاءَ اللَّهِ وَمَا تَشَاءُونَ You cannot will anything before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees it. Allah. And look at how he teaches you to like continuously blame yourself. Sometimes when people are, you're in a state, you know, you're in the spotlight and a lot of people are praising you and they're saying good things about you. Here Ibn Atta'ala reminds you that, you know, don't be so caught up in what people say about you over what you know about yourself. Don't get so caught up about what people think of you versus what you know of yourself. He says, people praise you for what they suppose is in you, but you must blame your soul for what you know is in it. Look at that. <laughs> people praise you for what they suppose is in you, but you must blame your soul for what you know is in it. A fool is a person that gets caught up in all the praises, knowing very well you know, what their true condition is. Allah's testing you when He moves that person to approach you and praise you. He wants to see. Remember, we said we negate even our thoughts. Oh, that was a, you know, very good talk, very good comment, very good room. Mashallah, you're a big sheikh now. <laughs> so you know, when this happens, you remind yourself that who who moves my tongue? Who gives? The ability to speak, who created this circumstance and situation. This is all from Allah back to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you always see things as coming from Him. Allah. And He says it here in Aphorism 144. He says, The most ignorant of all people is the one who abandons the certitude he has for an opinion people have. Allahu Akbar. The most ignorant. <laughs> of all people, is the one who abandons the certitude, in parentheses, yaqeen, ma alima min nafsih, the yaqeen of what he knows about himself. For what? He abandons that for an opinion, van, van, that people have of him. When he, capital H, he says in aphorism 145, he says, when he lets praise of you burst forth and you are not worthy of it, Praise him for what he is worthy of. Allahu Akbar. You get goosebumps. Ya Allah, ala ibn Hata illa secondary. What, I mean, what is this man, Ya Allah? Like, you can tell these are not words of a, this is not an intellectual. This is an illumined individual. These, these words, these, oof. When he, capital H, lets praise of you burst forth, you know, people are coming and they're saying, MashaAllah, Brother Majd, what knowledge. <laughs> you know, Ibn Atayillah is telling us how to, how to react. And he says, and you are not worthy of it. And you should always think you're not worthy of it. Because ultimately, it's all from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, praise Him for what He is worthy of. Turn the attention from you to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because some people, what, what happens is when they get praised, you know, they'll say, no, brother, I am nothing. But, you know, subhanAllah, there, it, it, it's due to inexperience. They think that when they say they are nothing, 
and that they are nothing. It's all about your spiritual state. It's, it's more about what you truly feel of yourself, not what you claim. But look at the response. The response is still focused on himself or herself. I am nothing. Well, if you're so nothing, you know, do what the awliya said to do when you're praised. He says, the awliya would tell their students, they say, you know, don't say you are nothing. Don't say you are something. Just say Allah and you will see wonders. And what they're pointing them to is be with Allah. You know, the fact that you are claiming you are nothing, you're with your nafs. Sometimes, you know, I, I personally try to practice this, uh, I, I've, you know, a few times, you know, when Allah gives me tawfiq, you know, someone comes and, and they begin to praise you heavily. And what you do is you, you, you know, the, the natural response is, no, Allah, I'm nothing, astaghfirullah. But I just remain present. I don't, I don't get caught up in what they're saying. And I'm just silent. And, you know, some people think, yeah, but then they might think you're arrogant. Does it matter what they think? What does it matter what they think, right? If Allah is pleased with you, then what does it matter if all people in jinn are displeased with you? But the general formula is that when he, capital H, is pleased with you and loves you, he announces to all created beings that I am happy with such and such person. So be happy with him. I love such and such person. Jibreel, love him. Love her. And then Jibreel announces to the heavens that Allah loves such and such individual. And he commands the, you know, animate and inanimate to love that individual to the point where even the fish in the sea will make istighfar for this person. We keep our eye on the prize. He says in aphorism 146, he says, when ascetics as Zuhad are praised, they are contracted. And this is an important thing to qabd and bust in the language of the uh, awliya. Qabd, it means uh, constriction contraction. It's a, it's a feeling of a lowly, almost like a, one that resembles depression. You just feel down, constricted, not good. The opposite of elation, where you feel a sort of spiritual uppity up motivation. You feel good. You're just, you know, I don't know why, but I feel so good today. You know, that sort of bust. So he says, when ascetics are praised, they are contracted, for they witness the praise as coming from mankind, al-khalq. But when Gnostics, arifun, are praised, they are expanded, for they witness the praise as coming from the real king, Allahu Akbar. Now, now, see, <laughs> see, now Ibn Atayillah takes it to a whole other level, right? Because it really depends where you are on your spiritual path. And it's not that, because some people will read this and be like, I want to be in that maqam. That's the station, that's the level, that's where I want to be. But that's not where you are now. You know, so your, your reaction should be according to where you are in your journey. There's an appropriate reaction. So it's not necessarily that you know, the zahid is, is, is wrong in the way he sees, but the zahid is, is not at the level of the arif, the one that attained the level of gnosis. They're not the same. They're not the same. So the Arif is a much higher state. So he says that the ascetic 
the reason they get contracted or they feel down. And again, from the, from the uh, state of re relative or from the res uh, perspective of the Arif, uh, he sees the response of the Zahid as he doesn't get it. <laughs> he doesn't get it. And the Zahid feels like, no, no, why are you praising me? You know, I'm, I'm nothing. And Ibn Atayla is pointing out, it's because he's seeing the praise as coming from creation. He's seeing it emanate from creation. He hasn't yet pierced that to come to a state or a level where he sees it coming from the creator. Because ultimately that person praising you, if Allah didn't want him to praise you, would he praise you? No. So it's coming from Allah. So he's not seeing a, a created. He is on a level where it's okay for him to, to rejoice. He feels bust. He's expanded. He's happy. Because he's not, he doesn't stop at the created things. He sees that person's praise of him as Allah's praise of him. He's fanny from the makhluq at this stage. He's annihilated from the act of, he's, he's, he's annihilated in the, in the verse, Wallahu khalaqakum wa ma ta'amaloon. That Allah created you and created that which you do as well. So because he's in, in that state or she's in that state, when that person, you know, they praise him, when the Gnostics are praised, they feel good, they're expanded, for they witness the praise as coming from the real king. Capital R, capital K. Allahu Akbar. In 147, he says, if when given something, the giving expands you, and if when deprived of something, the deprivation contracts you, again, contraction, expansion, just think a good feeling versus bad feeling, just to really simplify things. If when given something, the given expands you, feel good. And if when deprived of something, the deprivation contracts you, feel down, then take that as the proof of your immaturity and the insincerity of your servanthood. Why? Because, you know, ultimately you're still seeing created things as, you know, as worth something in and of themselves. It's like the, when I was asked, like, do we worship Allah because of for Jannah? Is there anything wrong with worshiping Allah? Should, having hope in paradise is, is not necessarily a bad thing. But where are you in your spiritual journey? Are you at the level of Rabi al-Adawiyya, who said her famous, if I were, you know, I want to go burn Jahannam, uh, burn paradise and, you know, and put out the hellfire. Metaphorically, why? She said, so people would worship Allah, not out of fear of Jahannam or out of, you know, the love of paradise, but because he just deserves to be worshipped. That's a very high level. That's a very high level. Yeah, so when I was asked, like, do we worship Allah? Is there anything wrong? I said, well, what we learned from our scholars is that you have conviction on the reward, but you do the act for Allah. You, you know, you pray Fajr with Jama'ah and you have conviction that the protection of Allah is with you until the evening time. You have no doubt in that. But do you go to pray so you can be protected by Allah? Is that the motivating factor? Is that the reason, the muharrik, the engine behind what you do? No. The engine is always 
I just want Allah's pleasure. And even a higher level, the Mashayikh of Dawah, specifically some of the ones we met in India and Pakistan, they used to say that the highest level is even higher than that is the level of slavehood. Just you do what you do because Allah commanded you to do it full stop. It's like the, the highest maqams, the highest stations. Why do you do it? Because Allah said so. End of story. But it, but this is going to happen or that's going to happen. Doesn't matter. Allah said, khalas, I'm done. This true Abrahamic taslim. Qala aslamtu li rabbil alameen. Complete submission. I see in my dream that I am slaughtering you. Do what you're ordered. This was their tarbiyah. This was their way. You're ordered to slaughter, to cut. I'm ordered to be patient. Your success is in cutting. My, my success is in being patient. The outcome is in the hands of Allah. So the, the gist of it all is you know, that we keep making this effort of Iman until, you know, there's just nothing there left of the created domain. And I, I you know, this doesn't mean, wallahi, I'm getting some, asked some questions privately in DM that, you know, if I, if you were to read some of my answers, they may surprise you, you know, because this talk doesn't mean, uh, you know, a leaving of dunya or, you know, do we, you know, someone was doing a very, very righteous act without getting into details between them and Allah, right? But they're also very busy in studying. And so the question was put forth that, you know, I'm becoming super exhausted. And I think they were probably expecting me to say something along the lines of, you know, just keep doing the action. You know, the action was hifaz of the Holy Quran. But then that person is also trying to complete their studies in something that is, you know, that can really be used for the service of the Ummah. And it's not a religious thing. It's not like they're studying Sharia or Islam. But on the side, they're really trying to complete the Quran, but it's becoming way too much. It's a big burden on them now. So, and that's the difference between, you know, the, the blessing of being around some of the, like we heard yesterday, some of the mashayikh where you you really expect them to answer one way and they answer another and you're just but you learn from that experience and when i asked you know someone what they thought and they said you know yeah just tell them to you know keep their hope in allah and i told them to drop the memorization altogether because in the in in they can find a line what they're finished they, they never they always encouraged us to finish our education the mashayikh, these saints and awliya, none of them came up to us and said, drop, leave everything, leave your school, leave this, leave that. And no. Because you, you're, you're not seeing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put you in this for a reason. You know, if you study and you become, you fulfill that degree, then what happens? Then you can really serve the ummah. Say, for example, you were studying to become a doctor maybe, right? No, focus on that wholeheartedly. The Qur'an, the memorization of the Qur'an takes what? It takes focus. You have to focus. You can't be distracted. And usually to really memorize the Qur'an. And it doesn't mean you don't take an ayah a day and memorize it and get to it. No, that's not what I'm saying. But to come to a point where you're just spiritually exhausted and, and people are expecting and 
It's just, it's too much. No, take it easy. Learning yaqeen is, is one thing, but hikmah in our actions, the way we go about, you know, you're still studying, you're still working. Our shiuch used to praise the one that earns a living with their hands and tires themselves in the daytime and, and used to especially praise like factory workers and because they, they, they really earn halal rizq. It doesn't mean that if you're on a, you know, if you're sitting in front of a desk, there's just always that, that risk of, you know, you chilling for a bit versus, you know, someone that is working, constructing a building really, you know, there's just, just like their risk is, you know, really, it's not that your risk is not halal, but theirs is subhanAllah. Rasulullah praise those that, you know, their hands are basically cracked from the effort they're pursuing. So, so this is it. It's, it's not a matter of you leaving dunya and sitting in a masjid. Another lady approached me with something about, you know, a family member thinking, that's it, I'm going to draw near to Allah. And now they're dropping all their, their obligations towards certain family members. If, if, if you had the choice between, you know, taking care of something important for your children and, you know, your recitation of the Qur'an, if you're not seeing that caring for others, the reward of care, see, the, your recitation of the Qur'an is for you, but being in the service of others is for others. And Rasulullah Rasul says, خَيْرٌ nas, the best of people, and فَعُهُمْ nas are those most beneficial. You have to see ladies that are domestic engineers spending you know have the full time jo job of being i don't know at home taking care of her husband and family for whatever reason if that's the situation you're in and there are situations where it's the opposite but if that's the situation you're in you have to see your work at home as ibadah as worship you know when you're going around cleaning the house you you want to keep it clean for you and for the family so you feel good do it with that presence of heart that ultimately it's for who? For the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you're prepping their, the kids' lunch, when you're you know, sitting, chatting with your husband, spending some time with them, this all can be forms of worship when you get it. Because everything is a function of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But this concept that you have to lock yourself up in a room fast 24-7 and, and, and pray all the time and read Quran all the time and it's easy to do that. If you just cut yourself from the world and you have no responsibilities, it's easy. Try getting out in the world and working and studying and, 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 and then maintaining that. But I'll tell you this, there's a time for it. Usually when you're younger, there's a lot more, right? You know, I've got to finish my education and I've got to do this and I've got a lot of exams. I got to study. There's a lot of distractions. Then you finish that and then there's work and then you're nine to five. And, but there will come a time where the isolating yourself for a bit and spending more time with yourself, you know, th there's a time where you, investing in that a bit more is, is very helpful, in fact, necessary. And usually it's, you know, post fifties, post sixties, if Allah gives you life to, to make it to there. Um, otherwise, usually most people that are under the age of 40, I would say even 30, this, they have this just innate feeling of being eternal, <laughs> like they're not going to die, just like anyone who, who's old is, right? Physically old. You can go at any moment. <laughs> Wa 
وإذا تأخر مطلب فلربما في ذلك التأخير كل المطمع